Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. We love our dogs. They love to race. Check out grnz.co.nz for everything New Zealand Greyhounds. This is Dog Speed with Mark Rosanowski, Andy McCook and Ricardo Ball on ECNZ. Oh yeah, they're talking. It's Sunday already. Dog Speed. Episode 13, would you believe? Lucky for some, Mark Rosanowski here. Andy McCook to join me in a moment in an episode that will go trans-Tasman and big concentration on the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar because SENZ are sponsoring the 51st running of the great race. And it's only three weeks away. June the 12th is the Group 1 final and we're only two weeks away from the heats. And over the last week, there has been a series of 600 metre plus races around New Zealand that just may give us an insight into the dogs that may appear on June the 5th, in the heats of the great race over 779 metres, the extreme test in greyhound racing in New Zealand these days. To chat about that in the initial stages of the show is Andy McCook. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Rosso. Good morning, everybody tuning in for today's show. Going to be uh, going to be a really good show with uh, with that trans-Tasman vibe that you mentioned, which is uh, really good and uh, keen to, to sink the teeth into a, a little bit of chat around the collar. But... Ros, I think the the listeners at home need to need to listen and need to know that we had a conversation yesterday, and and you surprised me a bit. You're at home making burgers with your children, and see, I had you pegged as a brioche bun man all day long, and you were just with the dirty old hamburger buns. That really surprised me. No, you just went down a notch. You went down a notch. I'm sorry about that, Andy. No, I think it might have put you off too, because I, I think you've woken up today not feeling uh, all that flash. And it may just have been the, the thought of me using the hamburger buns there and um, not washing my hands during the preparation either. But uh, the burgers were fantastic. Look, I am a brioche bun man. Um, cheeky little secret here. It was straight out of the bargain box, mate. So I was just following the recipe. I was just using what they sent us. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not suggesting you blame Nadia Lim, but you know, and um, and we're buying the bottom of the range there. But um, look, the boys had a good time. Got a seventh birthday in the house today, so uh, it's a bit chaotic, I've got to say. Andy, great news. SENZ on board as the sponsor of the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar. That's obviously great for the Auckland Greyhound Racing Club as well. But not only that, uh, on the day, June the 12th, when the final is, uh, we'll be doing our dog speed show as normal, uh, 11 through to midday. We're both involved in the trackside coverage. But SENZ are having a dog speed special live from Monaco, and they will cover off the Group 1s on the day. Of course, the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar partnered on the same day with the Group 1 Waterloo Cup. So between 3 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Mark Clayton and Elizabeth Whelan will bring you all of the action from Monaco uh, for Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar Day. And Andy, that sort of thing just, just lifts the race that we love to another level. 
It certainly does. It's really good to, to be getting coverage like that, isn't it? And, and something that we've just sort of lacked over the last year or two since the uh, the dreaded COVID hit and, and that sort of on-call stuff has just sort of gone by the wayside. But uh, good that we're starting to get a, a little bit of that back now and we can start to get those stories back across of, of the people on course and, you know, just those goodwill stories that people love to hear and, uh, and getting that emotion post-race is always really good when it's raw and, uh, and, uh, and really emotional. And if people stay listening to SENZ, they will have noticed already, and certainly will over the uh, coming week or two, uh, the opportunity to win an afternoon at the Greyhounds. You'll be very well looked after by the Auckland Greyhound Racing Club, and you can experience the Duke of Edinburgh silver collar uh, at its very best with all of the trimmings and uh, not pay a cent. So uh, another uh, incentive to stay listening here on SENZ. Never mind all of the live sport commentary. We've gotten the sport talk that we have during the day of the interviews as well. And of course, all three racing codes broadly covered on SENZ as well. So it's the SENZ Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar for the 51st running. At the end of the show, we're going to chat to Aaron White, not only get a winner or two from him for today's races that he's calling out there today at Monaco. Uh, first of 13 at 12.44, but Aaron will be calling his first Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar. And Andy, uh, as we are both commentators, we love calling certain races. The Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar is one that's only ever been called by two people to date, with Brian Hunt calling the first two, and then Peter Rooley, 49, uh, sorry, 48, including uh, last year's 50th version, and Aaron White will step in this year for a race that I'm sure he will make his own. Oh, one hundred percent. He will. You can't beat. Uh, you can't beat Aaron's enthusiasm, and he, it's good. He gets behind the dogs, and he he loves it, and you can hear it in his voice that he just enjoys calling them, which is really good. And uh, yeah, it's one of those races, isn't it? The collar, the the collar, the New Zealand Cup, the Auckland Cup, and uh, you know all the other group ones that you know we're lucky enough to to get to uh, to make our own Rosso and put our own little spin on things is is always good. But gee, wouldn't it be nice to call a collar one year? Oh, indeed. Hey, maybe we do a tandem call. Anyway, that's for another time, Andy. We've tried that over 660 metres, 779. Maybe we can do a three-way, but uh, yeah, that won't be this year. Um, but uh, look, one dog that Aaron loves, I think, above all others, is No Keeper. And No Keeper is the dog who continues to wow us over 600 and 700 metres for Gary Cleveland and Galen Turnbull. Now, we've talked about him across the last couple of weeks. But we'll talk about some other dogs, Andy, and, and you just get the suspicion that um, maybe uh, some trainers are, are dipping their toes in the water with the number of 600-metre races we've had around the country in the last week. Now, you called one on Friday, and it was won by a dog with freakish speed called Gitan. Stepped up to the 645 metres there at Eddington and beat another fahey runner in Centurion. Now, I'm going to be calling Gitan on Wednesday. It's over 660 metres up here at Palmerston North. So, uh, Andy, what did you make of the 645 metre race there on Friday, in particular Gitan and, and Centurion? Obviously, uh, Gitan was good and, and got the job done and, and did what she had to do. She won it from the front. Just looking at the sectionals, Rosa didn't come across as a greyhound who would run a whole lot further. She's run home in 13.19. Now, given it was a cold day, the track wasn't exactly at its best, and we'd had a bit of rain, a bit of moisture around, so we can we can give her a little bit of uh, a little bit of a let up for that. But when you're running home in 13.19, you compare that to a dog like No Keeper who'll be running home in sort of 12.60 to 12.70 usually over the the 600 metres. She's a fair way off him and given she's got speed, but so does he. So she's not necessarily going to be bowling along out in front of him either. Makes it a little bit tough. But 
what we can never do. Rosal is underestimate Team Fahey. She goes around again on Wednesday, as you say, over another 600-metre journey, and there's obviously the potential for her to strengthen up, and the Fahey's wouldn't be doing what they're doing if they didn't think that she could get over a little bit more ground. So there's got to be some sort of hope there. And Centurion, uh, Rosso, he's a, a greyhound who's always looked like he'd get over more ground from his very first start. He's uh, still got a little bit to learn. He's uh, young in terms of race starts. I think he's just ticked over two years of age in, in terms of his actual age. But he's a, a greyhound who I think we might see a little bit of over these uh, further journeys, and uh, he might add a little bit of excitement late in the piece. And Andy, also coming up uh, with the Fahey's on Wednesday is, is Humbling, and Humbling's been going some really solid distance races too. That's 700 where she ran second and behind uh, no keeper in the Kingston Cup on Oaks night was really good for a, a greyhound having her first crack over the 700 metres, and it sort of indicated that she'd be competitive uh, at the very least to run into minors behind keeper uh, going through these uh, journeys that are a little bit further. So I'm picking she'll be on a collar campaign and she'd be, uh, she wouldn't be she would be the worst of making the final and, uh, and potentially running into the money behind the star stayer. Now on Wednesday, she's up against uh, Uncle Albert, big time Harper, Highview Ness, Hezar Lee and Sweeney Todd. Now, Hezar Lee, um, I was talking to Gary Fredrickson uh, probably about a week and a half ago now and they expect uh, him to be there for the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar Heats. Of course, they had a finalist last year in fine intention. She won't be there. Uh, Gary's saying even if she you know, had come back better in those first couple of runs that she had in this campaign, that they felt that uh, at this stage of her career, they they wouldn't tackle the collar anyway this year. Highview Ness won a maiden distance. She finally found the right race. She'd been all her distance races have been in very strong company, but she found a maiden distance race uh, and was too good for them. And Andy, um, Uncle Albert and Sweeney Todd, they little brothers. They they kind of run all day. Uh, Uncle Albert, I thought was very good the other day. Beat Ali home, uh, running second. And, Mark Goodyear had a, a finalist in the Silver Collar three years ago, 2019, big time Chloe, won a heat and paid $76, and she ran fifth in the final behind Dinah Wesleyan and Shooters Hill. And I know that um, you know, Mark would love to be back there, so the prospects that they might press on as well. Aaron, uh, sorry, Aaron's later. Andy, um, on Friday also, we, had, we had actually had three Greyhound meetings running simultaneously in New Zealand. It was Pretty good, actually. I, I couldn't get out of the box. It was, it was good fun. But down at Ascot Park, they had a distance race as well. And Craig Roberts had Willene Bale, who won it, Raja Bale third, Delisha Bale fourth. Now, Craig was on last week, talked about pressing on with Raja Bale and Delisha Bale with the possibility of a silver collar. And in second spot was Claus and Leo for Craig's son, Matt Roberts, who, of course, was the runner-up in the collar last year. So that race down there at Southland you know, could potentially see three or four greyhounds heading north for the collar. What did you make of them? Yeah, certainly could. Uh, thought Willene Bale was very good. She was able to get a nice posse and, and roll over the top of them late. Raja, he, he was good as well. It's very hard to win from a wide draw over the 600-metre the journey down at, at Invercargill. It's a very, very short run to the first corner, and you tend to get planted wide, which makes it very hard to win. So I thought his run was good. It was really good, Rosso, to see Claus and Leo find a bit of form again. Of course, he hasn't raced much sort of in the last two or three months. He's been very, very limitedly raced. So it was good to find uh, him, see, I'll see him finding a, a little bit of form and showing a little bit of early speed. He's a greyhound who can, uh, you know, I don't think he can test no keeper. Obviously, keeper's just been too good for him over the last six months. But he's a greyhound who'll certainly add a lot of interest and a, a greyhound who's well worthy of going and having a crack and running into the minors. 
terms of Roger Bale, I actually found the line reasonably well, I thought, uh, Andy, over the 630 metres. Delicia Bale looked the winner, I thought, coming across the top, just peaked on her run, but I just kind of get the feeling she's probably better on a two-turn track. I think Andy might have just dipped out there, so um, just lost Andy uh, at the moment on the line. We'll see if we can't find him back. Um, we're nearly at break time anyway, but uh, yes, Roger Bale, I thought, found the line pretty encouragingly from back in the piece there as a $1.70 favourite. Delicia Bale, three wide coming across the top. I thought loomed as the winner, uh, particularly the way she'd found the line over the 6.45 at Addington prior. But um, as I say, although she appeared to peak on her run, I wouldn't write her off just on that. And look, other uh, races during the week. Uh, Mr. Fahrenheit's won three straight 660-metre races at the Manawa 2. Now, out of Phantom Way, who was a 700-metre bitch, and the Morrises perhaps considering, just thinking on what they might do with Mr. Fahrenheit. And... As for the future with him, well, look, they, they maybe they, maybe maybe they regret not coming down for the Kingston Cup at Christchurch to test him out there. But look, he's going super over the 660 metres. And on Thursday, uh, Shan Maria, who of course is out of Shandell, a winner of the Silver Collar for uh, Arch and Gloria Lawrence, uh, she held on from Shelley Pom. Shelley Pom is a, uh, a litter sister to um, Claus and Leo, the runner-up last year, and she found the line really well. She'll be there for Sean Codlin, you'd expect. And Arch had Cheyenne up, Porsche and Little Teagues in that race as well. We'll catch up with Arch Lawrence in the next couple of weeks to talk about his prospects this year. It's a race that he holds very dearly. And last Sunday, um, Karen Walsh won over the 600 with Thrilling Rogue, also out of Corinth Bale, so a younger half-brother to Claus and Leo and Shelley Pom. Opawa Kirk was second. He's back to the 527 today. Thrilling Fern was third. Fern goes around again today over 603 metres. Sean Codlin stepping up, Thrilling Watson to the 600. So that's going to be an interesting race. Race 10 today, the Steiny Blue distance over the 603, named after one of the great stayers, Steiny Blue, who was in the Hall of Fame and a Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar winner. The SENZ Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar coming up in three weeks on June the 12th. Don't forget that dog speed special live from the track. Three till four o'clock, Mark Clayton and Elizabeth Whelan bringing you all of the Group 1 action on that day, the Silver Collar and the Waterloo Cup. You are with dog speed. We love our greyhounds, they love to race. We are in association with Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Check out the fields, the form, the analysis, the videos, everything there on grnz.co.nz. Back soon, we're going to head across the ditch. If you haven't been to lovegreyhounds.org.nz yet, I strongly encourage that you do some of the most gorgeous footage of greyhounds you have ever seen, including pups. And they are the cutest things around. Then they grow long noses, and then they start running really fast. We're about to talk about a couple of the fastest greyhounds in this part of the world. Not New Zealand, I'm talking Australasia, I'm talking down under. We're going to Australia. And the man we're about to talk to is Jason Lincoln from Sky Racing and The Catching Pen. I hope you tune into The Catching Pen weekly. We do have it here in New Zealand on trackside. They do a uh, wrap of all of the uh, top uh, greyhound racing action around Australia. A lot of uh, analysis, a lot of discussion. Uh, and Elizabeth Wheeling contributes as well from New Zealand and just as a segment for us and Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Jason Lincoln, very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Rosso. Jeez, I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. Oh, this is a concern, mate. I thought we'd have you on radio so you couldn't give me any jip about my hair. Um, and I, I got the headphones on this morning just to bring people in on this joke. Uh, Jason and I have worked together. Uh, he was over for a spee on Rose a couple of years ago, and we had a great night, uh, really good time. We and we've done a few things here and there with the, with the kitchen, Ben. But uh, 
I tend to just wear my hair flat, natural, and it's pretty flat. Um, Jason, he's swish, and uh, he does his hair, and he makes it look very, very good. So, yeah, if, if you hear the odd uh, yeah, strike from, uh, from Jason about my hair, that is the background. Well, I think Jason, how much, do you, how, much do you, how much do you spend on your hair product? Not much, Rosso. It's got a, I've got to say. Look, I, I put enough in there to get by, um, but... Yeah, you, you are spot on. We've had some good-natured ribbing along the way. But when you're a natural beauty like you are, Rosa, you probably just don't need it, mate. Oh, you're the man smooth talker. like you. Hey, um, look, you can afford to buy hair product if you want to because uh, you are involved in a greyhound called She's a Pearl. Now, hopefully people know about She's a Pearl because she has been wowing Australia. Her prize money stands at uh, not far off $1.4 million and she's won 12 straight, including recently the Golden Easter Egg and the Million Dollar Chase. Raced by punters HQ and Andy McCook had Joe Lanuti on the show going back uh, a few weeks here. Jason, what's your part in She's a Pearl and, and how did you get involved? Uh, my part in She's a Pearl, I'm just along for the ride like everyone else. I've got a, a pretty small share. I think my, well, I don't think I know my share's 5%. Um, I believe Joe's sort of told us, I think there's 12 shareholders in all differing sort of sizes and uh, and other blokes have been on sold their their shares. Um, It's I think somewhere in the vicinity of 70 blokes in all are involved in it, which is an outstanding story for greyhound racing because, um, you know, it's all well and good to have, you know, one or two or three owners in a a good dog. And if, you know, if they've got 50 or 100 friends, well, that's, that's great. That's good exposure. But if you've got 70 people that can bring the same amount of eyeballs to the sport, um, yeah, I don't need to tell you that. It's a great thing for the game. And, and, and look, Untapped, who won the Sandown Cup, and I'm sure we'll get to that on Thursday, is another girl in that same boat. She has over 50 owners in her syndicate. So I think both of those wins over the past few weeks have been amazing for, for syndications and what that can do for greyhound racing. Um, how I got involved, Joe and I have been good mates for, for quite a while. We've done a number of, of things, much like us, Rosso, together, podcasts and, and various tipping things. And um, Joe and I would probably pick up the phone and speak to one another two or three times a week just about all things um, greyhound racing. And um, I don't take any, um, you know, any ownership of uh, the acquisition of She's a Pearl at all. But Joe and I had sort of been talking about her since October last year, basically just as punters and, you know, trying to, <clears throat> I guess, trying to uh, identify who the key chances for races like the Egg and the MDC were going to be earlier in the year, with a view, basically, from my perspective anyway, to you know, to taking prices once she was added to the market and that sort of thing, um, which eventually was at $26. But well before then, Joe, um, yeah, being the entrepreneur that he is, um, he and Andy Lord made an approach to Peter Sims to, to lease her. Um, I think Andy actually bought her, but we've, we've leased her to race. Um, and from there, then Joe obviously sought out um, people that had been in the Greyhounds HQ syndicate with him in the past. And I was just fortunate enough that uh, I rang Joe for one of our, as I said, our weekly chats. And he'd just gotten off the phone to Mark Olmus, who, who you guys will know well from Sky Racing as well. Mark spent a bit of time over there in NZ and loved it. Um, and he, he sort of revved me up. He said, I just put your mate in a, in a really fast dog. I said, oh, which one would that be? And he said, she's a pearl. I said, oh. But you're leaving your old mate out, are you, here, Joey? And he goes, "No, there's something there for you if you want to." And I said, "Mate, for a dog like she's a pearl, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd race her with my worst enemy." So basically, it just grew legs from there. And 
her first start for us, uh, Rosso, she actually got beat. She was $1.45 in the heat of the maturity and got rolled, but she's won 12 straight since. She was going for 13 straight last night. I don't know if you want me to roll straight into what happened last night. I'll, I'll wrap it up yeah, here. I'll let on. you take charge. I want to know. Well. I want to know. Okay, so yeah, she was set to go around at 20 last night, $1.05 fixed odds, and that looked overs, to be fair. Um, she's within $12,000 of Fanta Bale's record at the moment and $7,000 for the win there last night. Would have got a 5K closer. Um, Joe, being as thorough as he is as an owner, sent us an audio file well before Kenling had closed um, to say she was on the way to the track. And Paul Mills, who not only has been her handler all the way through, it has to be pointed out for those that are new to greyhound racing, was a great greyhound trainer in his own right back. Um, certainly when I was a kid in the, you know, late 90s, um, mid-90s. They had a great, great line, the Millses, and for whatever reason, Paul was lost to the game for a little while. He certainly went out of the public public eye in any case, but Andy's got him back working there. And no more experienced man handling greyhounds uh, you know, around Australia than Paul Mills, and he, he rang Andy halfway there and said, this bitch has come on season, and he said, fine, take it to the track, just have the vet look at it and have a scratch. And when they got to the track, uh, yeah, this is where the story, I guess, grew legs. There was a difference of opinion. The vet seemed to believe that, no, she wasn't on season. So she stayed in the race pretty much until five minutes before the event. And I guess then when they got her out to, to do the preview, the stir up, everything else, um, it was noticed that, yeah, okay, she was on season. She was scrapped. So all's well that ends well, but it probably should never have got to that stage. Yeah, there might have been a few people on track to see her, I would imagine. Um, look, I've seen the scenes. Um... Yeah from those uh, races that we talked about, the Golden Easter Egg and um, and also the Million Dollar Chase. And look, I don't think it would matter whether you have 1% or 100% of a greyhound like her. You just get carried away in the moment, I'd imagine, Jason. How does it feel? Yeah, yeah well, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, a young fellow I worked with at Sandown on Thursday, um, he, uh, he, he mentioned a really great line with regards to that. It doesn't matter whether you own 1% or 50%, you still have 100% of the fun. And I think that's... That's, you know, if you're going to set up syndications anywhere in the country, uh, I don't know whether Corey's copyrighted it, but I think that's the saying that should go alongside of, um, you know, syndications. It doesn't matter whether you own 1% or 80%. Um, yeah, I, look, I carried on like an absolute lunatic, Rosso, as you'd have expected. I was very, very short price to do so, wasn't I, on previous form. But, look, I, you know, I don't envisage I'm ever going to be back in that situation again. And like I've said to people, for a long, long time. It took me a long while to get my first winner. And I think, you know, all the experienced guys in greyhound racing will tell you when the wins come, you, you better celebrate them because the the lows are um, the lows are probably lower than the highs. And we've been unlucky enough just in our little syndicate that's been up and going for only a little while to have lost a couple of dogs. And I can tell you that, um, yeah, probably sadder then than we were happy to have won the MDC. Jason, just uh, we'll wrap up this segment and uh, we're going to have you on the other side of the break, which is outstanding, so thanks for that. But um, I'm just wondering how you find it um, when you're actually working at the track on those occasions and your greyhound can win a race like that. Now, I have been in situations where I've had greyhounds win group ones, but nothing like the money like that. I've also had a yeah. night where <laughs> got beaten in a group one and a, by a nose in a final. So, um, yeah, you sort, of, you sort of ride those emotions. But h- how do you deal with it in those situations presenting the race meeting on yep. track, having that share and she's a pearl and everything that's kind of going on with that? Yeah, that's a really good question, Ross. So um, in the lead-up to the egg, I actually spoke to Brittany Graham about it. Brittany, you, again, you'd know Brittany from her work that she does in the harness racing game because she had a similar situation where 
her dad got beaten a nose in a Group One race, and she then had to go and interview the winning driver after the race. So you can imagine how torn she was. Um, I've been fortunate that she's won both the big races, Pearl, um, the Egg and the MDC. But I think the one thing Robbo just very, very conscious not to um, not to overblow it. I certainly have never wanted to be accused of any any favouritism with her. And to that end, on the pen, I think we've actually I, I try and actually have them rein in as much of the pearl talk as possible. I know that sounds silly, given that she's the best dog in the country, but you know you still don't really want to be slapped with, as I said, the fact you're playing favourites. Now, it's a little bit easier now that she's got the the absolute um, acclamation that she's got. But early doors, when you know we thought that she was as good as she is now, we were, when I say we, Patch has also got a very short, small share. We're very hesitant to really want to overblow that. Um, and, you know, people will pull you up pretty quick if you're just talking about your own dog. So we're very, very conscious of that, Rosso. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's got to the stage now where she's almost public property, so it doesn't really come into it, which is good. Indeed. Uh, we're talking to Jason Lincoln. Jason's from uh, Sky Racing. He does the catching pin, which you can see on trackside during the week. And Jason also uh, that uh, sheer in She's a Pool. Uh, she's not the only uh, super fast greyhound going around in Australia at the moment. So look on the other side, we're going to come back chat to Jason some more about some of the other greyhounds are ripping up the tracks there in Australia at the moment. You're listening to Dog Speed. We're on SENZ with GRNZ. Check out grnz.co.nz for all your field form analysis videos, whole heap of stories, previews, reviews as well. Back soon. Mark Rosanowski with you and extended guest this morning, Jason Lincoln from Sky Racing Australia. We've talked about She's a Pearl, who's ripping up the tracks in New South Wales across in Victoria. Jason, wow, she's fast, is very aptly named, has just busted through the million-dollar barrier after 16 starts. 11 of them have been wins. Most recently, last week, the Group 1 Sapphire Crown in an astonishing time, 28.82 around the Sandown. Tell us about, wow, she's fast. Yeah, she's, she's an amazing bitch, this one. Um, she, she set tongues, or set tucks, <coughs> wagging after her first start, Rosa, when she ran the quickest time from Maiden, or one of the quickest times from Maiden ever at Sandown. So she was always destined to um, be you know, a, a headline act in the game. I sort of thought from day one, being a my bro Fabio and given her obvious strength on debut, that sort of by now she'd be staying. But the Greenos have done an amazing job to to keep her pretty fresh because she, you can tell she's got a natural um, tendency towards stamina, but she's still maintaining brilliant, brilliant pace. She ran 5.03 to the mark there on Thursday night, which is you know where the real absolute speedsters get down to. And to run 28.81 overall in the end wasn't really a surprise given the times that we'd seen uh, last week in the heat of the Harrison Dawson and the Sapphire Crown on the Friday night. And again, the times earlier on in the night there on Sandown Cup night, the dog Aston Tango, he ran 29.13 in the first. And he, although he went 29.12 the week before, I don't think he'd gone sub 40 um, in the weeks leading up to the last two weeks where we have got on these good decks. Um, don't let that detract from where she's fast performance. So she was clearly, clearly dominant. And it's an amazing setup that we've got at the moment with um, with her being the headline act and clearly superior to most of the greyhounds in Victoria. And it's a similar setup with She's a Pearl here in New South Wales, which has led um, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of um, not just greyhound racing fans, but even some of the administrators there on on Thursday to 
continually ask when we're going to see these two girls come up against one another. Um, they've mooted things like um, Matt Traces and whatnot, Rosso, but I would have think for two greyhounds that are won over a million dollars, you're going to struggle to get enough prize money to entice them both into something like that. So possibly the Top Gun might be the first time that um, we're actually fast and she's a pearl meet, and it'll be a, a greyhound promoter's dream uh, the night that that happens. They've both got massive, massive followings, and rightly so. They're two amazing, amazing bitches. Yeah, I think people should put them into their race tracker here on tab.co.nz, actually, and um, obviously she's a pearls out being in season at the moment, but... Um, it's not like you would necessarily want to know that they're racing so that you can get the $1.05, but more that you can just sit back, appreciate the uh, the speed and yeah, skill and athleticism of these two amazing bitches. Um, look, on the same night of the Sapphire Crown was the Sandown Cup, and you mentioned earlier a dog called Untapped who won the Group 1 Sandown Cup. What can you tell us about Untapped, and what can you tell us, uh, Jason, about the current strength of, of stayers in Australia, because it's pertinent to us at the moment as we build towards the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar, our 779 metre staying test and, and most iconic race coming up in three mu- uh, three weeks. Yeah, I'm really glad you've asked me that, actually, because it's a topic that um, is very much burning in Australia at the moment, and probably this will be the first time that I've sort of spoken publicly about it, so I might well uh, say something that could create some waves here. Rosso, hang on to your hat. Um, look, Untap took out the sand. Now, Cup will do with her first. As I said, she's um, she was part of the original um, Greyhound draft. You'll recall going back a few years ago, the Sandown Club created the draft and um, people from all walks of life could, um, could take up shares of Greyhounds. I think at the time they were packaged up three dogs, uh, one lump sum to pay, no more for a certain percentage and raise those dogs for life. And Untapped was part of the second series. And Greg Miller, who um, people that you know, have an idea of Australian football here, AFL in uh, in Victoria and uh, the other southern states around Australia will know that name because he's he's been very, very famous, um, mostly through his involvement with North Melbourne, Wayne Carey, those players. And he was the brains behind uh, the Greyhound draft, so he took a lot of pride, and rightly so, from that win of Untapped on Sunday, at, sorry, Friday, um, as should have it go again Thursday. As should Dustin Drew, the trainer, because um, she's very wayward when she first came to Dustin. He had problems trying to get her to chase, and um, she's now she's now Group One winner, and um, she's certainly gone to a new level over the past few weeks. I think the Triple A to WA's toughened her up a bit. Um, the other question: uh, the state of the staying ranks in Australia um, holistically mm. at the moment, Mark. I'd say they've never been worse. Um, I don't say that in terms of ability, but I say that in terms of application. I don't think I've ever seen a time um, where our stayers have been so in and out, um, so erratic. Uh, and any number of our top stayers have been slapped with various failing to chase charges, fighting charges um, over the past six months. I mean, no more famously than Zach Sennity. Um, he's, well, what happened in the, in the Top Gun stays has been spoken about really since then, and that was nearly six months ago where he put um, Stanley Road on the deck there, and that dog hasn't really appeared to be the same dog since. And look, I, I must make the point, you know, my very first winner um, in a race at Albion Park fought another dog off the track, kept going and still won the race. So people who, um, you know, get sensitive about these these subjects, if they're their dogs, I understand it, don't get me wrong, but None of this is personal. I've been in the same boat myself. Um, but we had dogs, you know, real 
potential superstar stayers, up and comers like Rowan Bale and Kalinda Lady, both do wrong, things wrong there on Thursday night. Zipping Kansas has been held up as the next superstar in this country, and he hasn't exactly looked overly genuine his past few starts. Uh, look, it's you know I could pick any number of. Um, other big name stayers out at the moment so it's not just confined to those dogs that I've just mentioned but it is certainly of great concern to me um, speaking off the record to, to some of the stewards they're a bit um, I wouldn't say they're a bit missed by it but they've certainly noticed um, the inclination or the um, you know the, the appearance and the stats would probably back it up just how often we're having these sort of incidents occur um, you know, over the past six months or so. And I, I, look, I couldn't pinpoint what that's down to, but um, yeah, there wouldn't be a stayer in this country at the moment that um, you know, you'd, be, you'd be putting up in lights as you know, uh, you know, a superstar of, of recent times and one that we could send over to New Zealand and say, look, this is the, you know, this is the new Tornado Tears or something similar. Um, yeah, it's... It, it's Quite, uh, it's, it's quite a shame, really, because, I mean, for me as a punter, let alone a, a greyhound racing enthusiast, you know, for me, the staying races were, were a really good place to operate. But I've got to tell you, as a punter at the moment, and I've spoken to any number of other professional punters, and they sort of sowed the seeds for this about 12 months ago. I'd spoken to a few guys in Victoria who said, look, I just don't bet in staying races anymore. They're just not reliable. And it's, it's something, as I said, I've really noticed over the past six months in particular, but the past three months, um, a number of really good stayers have, have transgressed and a number of really up-and-coming stayers have um, have done something similar. So, um, yeah, I, I can't exactly paint you a, a shining light of the state of um, of health with regards to our stayers here in the in this country at the moment, Rosso. But, you know, there are a, a number of really smart dogs, don't get me wrong, dogs like Mambo Manelli and Miss Esme, who have certainly never done anything that um, would have fit them into the category we've just spoken about, but you know you could pull up the the, the all-in market for you know whether it's the 7:15 coming up at Newcastle in a couple of weeks or whatever the next staying feature race might be, and at least half of those dogs on that list you'll have reservations about. Mm. Hey, look, uh, we really appreciate your perspective and your honesty there, Jason. I've um, made, a, made another mistake this morning, and that's not having you on for the whole show because we're out of time, and I'd like to talk to you about some other things. But look, just before we go, a quick comment. You mentioned Tornado Tears there. Um, here's Tears as, as a brother to Tornado Tears, and he's rising five, but he's coming out here for the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar. We've got a standout stayer at the moment, no keeper, 14 from 14. At one stage, Gary Cleave was thinking about heading to that race at Newcastle you just talked about, and indeed uh, the Sandown Cup. That didn't work out. He's staying here for the Silver Collar, which is great for us. We've got a pin-up dog for our race. The ranks are thin in behind, but um, people are dipping their toe in the water at the moment with some 600-metre races. Here's Tears has been in eight Group 1 finals, 1-1 one, one way back in February 2020, the superstars at the Meadows. Look, I know he's at the end of his career, but I see Jerry O'Keefe, who's taken the dog over recently and, of course, has collar-winning credentials with Ring the Bell. Uh, but uh, Jerry's found a couple of uh, races that he has tears has been able to win recently. He won at Ballarat over the 660, paid a decent price, I see, and then picked off a, a very soft win at sale last week. I know he's towards the end of his career, uh, Jason. Any any thoughts on on how he might perform over the seven seven nine in the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar Series? One thing you know about him, he certainly run the trip right out. Um, as you said, he's an experienced star, and yeah, he is at the end of his career now. And it's 
um, and look, it, it's probably one last throw at the stumps for him. Absolutely. Uh, look, I don't, uh, I, you know, I don't um, pretend to know no keeper as well as you do, but um, just seeing him on the periphery and watching the odd race of his here and there, certainly see plenty of his highlights on the catching pen when we have Liz on. Um, if he's the dog that um, you know that he's being built up to be, he's not going to have any problems dealing with his tears. And I say that respectfully. He's you know in his pomp, his tears. He's well, he's, you know, he still holds the track record at Sandown. So absolutely was one of the best days in this country. Um, yeah, he's come back to, to winning form of late, so Jerry's done a good job there, but you pointed out one of those races was one you'd expect him to win. The other one was a pretty deep race. So, uh, look, I'm sure he'll still um, he'll still run really, really well. As I said, he'll have no trouble running out the extended 700 there, but, um, look, if his tears is um, everything that he's built up to be, he's not going to have any problems dealing with his tears, and hopefully we do get to see him here by the end of the year because I really, um, you know, and I really mean this, I think for us to have a, a healthy greyhound racing industry down here in in the southern hemisphere, we certainly need New Zealand to be competitive, and we need New Zealand to be coming over with some good dogs and creating that into into country rivalry. Jason, really appreciate your insight this morning. Hope to get you on in the future here on Dog Speed. And um, yeah, look, um, all the best for ahead in the future with uh, She's a Pearl when she comes back uh, from in season. Once again, mate, thanks for your time this morning. No, thanks to you, Rosso, and you guys do a great job. I know Andy couldn't be with us this morning because he's sick, but, um, mate, you guys do a great job over there, so any time uh, I can come on and give you a hand, I'd be more than willing to. Thanks, Jason. Jason Lincoln there from Sky Racing. You can catch him on the catching pen during the week, which plays here on Trackside, and Elizabeth Whelan from Greyhound Racing New Zealand does provide a New Zealand perspective into that show as well. On the subject of Jerry O'Keefe and Here's Tears, they're arriving this week. We hope to chat to Jerry next week here on Dog Speed. we got to run, though, and before we wrap up the show, we'll have a quick chat with uh, Aaron White and get a couple of winners for today. And we're well in the home straight here, and uh, running up the passing lane to finish off the show is Aaron White, Tricode commentator and the caller for the Auckland Greyhound Racing Club, and Aaron's out at Monaco this afternoon for a 13-race card from 12.44 going through the grades, and indeed a maiden distance uh, race again over the 6.03 like we had last week. Aaron White, very good morning. How's things looking in the city of sales today? Yeah, very good morning to you, Rosso. Morning, everybody. Well, it's a wee bit overcast here in the city of sales. There's a wee bit of blue uh, cloud around the place. We may get a shower or two as we work through the 13-race uh, program today, but uh, plenty of good chasing action if you're in the region. Get along and enjoy what should be a good afternoon of uh, dog racing. Aaron, I know uh, you enjoy chipping out some value. I like listening to you on the Sundays and also the Thursdays uh, out of out of Cambridge, and uh, there's also some always some decent insight into uh, any dogs you might be um, specking at odds. What do you like today? Firstly, as a uh, as a as a best bet, and you know you're allowed to keep these short enough because uh, we're happy to run them through the multi. <laughs> best bet today. We go into race number six, Rosso, and it's a go Clifford. Got a lot of time for uh, this dog out of the steel kennels, and he's just drawn up ideally in box number eight. He's a big lump of a greyhound. He's still learning where to put all of those legs on the ground, but he just likes staying up the track, and uh, he's going to get no uh, worries out in box number eight today. He's $2.50. He was a brilliant winner here last time. Both his wins have come from wide boxes. This dog will go through the grades, and just the way he races too, Rosso, I think he's a dog that once they step him up to maybe the 457 or even the 527, he's going to be a dog that's going to show a lot of power. Excellent. He's from the Springano Power Cookie Litter. It's quite a promising young 
litter that. Uh, so 2.5, as Aaron mentioned there, for Go Clifford. Minerva Mink also on the 2.5 line off box number one in race number six. Best bet of the day, though. Race six, number eight, Go Clifford at $2.50 for Aaron White. Aaron, in terms of uh, value runners, so what have you found for us today? Well, if you like value, today is your day. We start in race number five, number four, Drifted Dodge. Now, these are all nice little gold coin each ways, a couple of gold coins each way. Drifted Dodge, if you see the blue ruck appear in the first five or six bounds in race number five, he will win that race. And uh, he's at very good money. He's about $15 at this stage, Drifted Dodge in race number five. Race eight, number one tough admiral. Now, the class five sprinters just squeezed him down onto the rail on Thursday at Cambridge. That was over the 375. He's out to the 527 today, and I think he can burn the 527 dogs off to the first corner. He wears his blinker now, and uh, it was a good effort after being chopped off into the first turn to get up for second uh, on Thursday down at Cambridge. I think he's a big winning chance in the first league of pick six today, race eight, in the red rug. And one more for you, one stepping up in that maiden distance, Soldier Blue. There's another dog that I've got a lot of time for. He's drawn up in box number eight. The two favourites are out of boxes one and two, Watson and Fern. And I just think Soldier Blue, the way that he's been running out his races, he will eat up the 603 metres here today. And he's another one that's at double-figure odds today. So if you like value, you've found the right day. Hey, good stuff, Aaron, and uh, nice to, to get it across on SCNZ as well. A dog speed program um, before you give out your tips on trackside so we can get the bite at the odds. Um, and all the best for today. And dogs at those odds too. Don't forget, people, there's uh, options like top four, for example, if you might want to put something through a, through a multi and you're not thinking, oh, well, maybe I won't put that one on, on top at $13 through a multi. But top four option I find is great for those. Top three if you like, top two even if you're thinking that way. Aaron, um, the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar, 779 metres, New Zealand's most iconic uh, greyhound race, and sponsored by SENZ. We're three weeks away from it, two weeks away from the heats. There's only ever been two callers. Brian Hunt called the first couple. Peter really called 48 of them. We've had 50. Aaron White to call the 51st. How do you feel about that three weeks out? Yeah, looking really forward to it, Rosso, since I was a young fellow. You know, when you... Um, in all three codes, there's always one race that you want to be sitting down and uh, watching. And uh, the Silver Collar has been that race with the Greyhounds. It's the iconic race, as you say. It's the jewel in the crown. And uh, I don't think I've missed a collar for the last uh, 30, 35 years. I think I've seen just about all of them. And especially every single one since we were back in action TV days and now trackside days. It's just one of those races. You want to turn the TV on. You want to watch the heat. You want to watch the uh, final the ultimate test between trainer and greyhound, isn't it? To go through the heats and then that seven-day back up into the final. And Aaron, recently you were called the race for harness racing and you really brought that to life. It was uh, fantastic and a, and a new initiative. Uh, the collar's not new, of course, but there's always new stories around the collar. Now, we've only got a minute to wrap up here, but the pre-post favourite at the moment, of course, is No Keeper. And I know that's a dog that you love deeply and you picked him out very early on as a dog to follow and now he's 14 from 14 beyond 600 metres. And uh, I'll ask you this question, Rosso, because you're more of a no than I. I know we're running out of time uh, quickly here, but has there been a more dominant distance dog going into a collar? No, I don't think there has. Um, I guess last year, Shaney looked uh, head and shoulders above her rivals and she fell in the heat, but her racing style meant that that could happen, whereas no keeper doesn't seem to leave much to chance by doing it from the front. It's not easy to do it from the front, and Aaron, he, he can run right through 
uh, the line. So I know you'll look forward to calling him in the heats, and and uh, looks like there's a few others dipping their toe in the water as well. Yeah, there certainly will be, and as you mentioned, those heats are only two weeks away. So yeah, get your uh, bum out trackside to a Monaco two weeks time. Take in the heats and come out for the final because, as we say, it is the jewel in the crown. Indeed it is, and here's tears coming from Australia this week. We might chat to Jerry O'Keefe next week here on Dog Speed here on SENZ with Greyhound Racing New Zealand for the next week, though. Dog Speed to you. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.